everything we do has a beginning. starting point. A lot of those things end up needing a restart. Let's start again. Yeah. But our God is all about new beginnings. And it all starts with the gospel. Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now on the internet or off-site campus, we're glad that you guys are along too. Hey, before I start what I wanna talk to you about today, um, I'd like us to have prayer for the folks in Texas. You know, we know that we plant churches and uh, through the ark and we planted about 700. We're gonna plant between 80 and 90 in the next few days. Uh, and, um, we, we have 22 churches that are in the hurricane mess right now, and then we have two more that are being planted in the next few weeks in the Houston area. And uh, so uh, I've been texting back and forth, and it's amazing uh, that the loss of life has been as small as it is so far, and we're just gonna pray that it continues that way. But let's pray for the light of Jesus to really be made known during this time, okay? Lord, thank you for just your kingdom and um, how you work, and God, we know that uh, we don't understand all about laws of nature, but we know that these things happen, and when they happen in populated areas, it's devastating, and so we pray for your protection. God, we pray for your comfort, your grace. God, most of all, I pray that the church will be the church during this time, and this is what we're created for, and uh, so I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever been around somebody that asks really stupid questions? Anybody? I mean, raise your hand. Don't point. Raise your hand. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I have. Um, you know, some people say there are no such thing as stupid questions. There are just stupid people. And I don't agree with that. I don't think that's harsh. Other people say, well, there's no such thing as a stupid question. And I disagree with that because there are some stupid questions. I was asked this one one time. Anybody ever been asked this? If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? I think it was on a job application or something. That is a stupid question. If you are in HR, don't be asking that. That's stupid. I don't want to be a tree. Don't care about being a tree. Love trees, but... Don't want to be one, like what I am. Never thought about what kind of tree I'd be. Stupid question, okay? Let me give you another one. Here's one. Here's one. Was the Lion King based on a true story? <laughs> yeah, somebody went to, like, Africa, and there were some talking lions, and they kind of got their story, and so, yeah, that's stupid, isn't it? Here's a good one. Uh, it's on the Internet, so no doubt it's true. Um, how do you unbake a cake? Why would you ask that? I mean, who unbakes a cake? But I love the answer. Let me read it to you. Put it back in the oven, set it to the negative of whatever temperature you baked it at, such as minus 325 degrees, 
and leave it in for the same amount of time you baked it for. It has to be exact. If you unbake it too much, the flour may turn into wheat and the eggs will turn into a chicken. Um, yeah. That's a great answer, though, for a stupid question. Let, let me just, let me help you. Y'all want help? Let me help you. Before you ask your question, take 30 seconds and Google it, okay? And you'll probably get your answer. How do you know that? Okay, so why, why do I say that? Well, for all the world, it looks like in John 5, Jesus asked a stupid question. Now, we know he's Jesus, so it can't be stupid, and we'll talk about it a little bit. But we're in a series. We're in a series right now. Uh, we've been in a series for the whole year, year in the Word. We're reading along, you know, Bible verses. There's a reading plan, and then we preach from what you're reading from. And we noticed that we'd be in the book of John for about six weeks, and so we decided, let's put a mini-series inside of this big series, and we'll just do every message on the weekend from the book of John and call it Start Here. And uh, so last week, Josh uh, preached about starting your spiritual life, just a very foundational message I thought was awesome. It was incredible. And uh, this week, my assignment is John chapter 5. And in John 5, Jesus encounters a guy and then asks an interesting question. Let's, let's read it. If you've got your Bible, you can follow along. If not, I, I'll, I'll have the scriptures here. John 5, 1 through 3 says, Sometime later... Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. It's interesting, um, we don't know what festival it was, but there were several festivals that happened in Jerusalem. I love this, if you study the Old Testament a little bit, that God created celebration in the whole rhythm of stuff. And he meant for us to laugh and to enjoy life and eat. In fact, if you have the gift of cooking, you and I could be a match, because I have the gift of eating. But uh, they would go and they would celebrate, they would eat. And, and that's what I love about this church is that the church is a reflection of that culture. If you've ever been to a church that you know, looks like they were weaned on pickle juice, you know, everybody just sour. and you know, That's not what it's about. You ought to feel better when you leave than when you came in. It's the good news for goodness sake. Did you know that? And that's why I love it. We celebrate, we celebrate, we celebrate. And so Jesus uh, was at a festival and... Let's go on. It says, now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, uh, which, is, which in Aramaic is uh, called Bethesda. Did I miss one? Oh, yeah, there's a pool. That's what we're talking about right here. Okay, I missed that. Let's start over. Uh, now there in Jerusalem, there is in Jerusalem. Why don't you guys, would you guys read this? <laughs> Give a brother a break. It's been a busy weekend. All right, read it out loud. Read it out loud. Here we go. Now there. Yeah, there's a there's a pool. Um, it's by the sheep gate, and uh, all right, let's go on. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, not tell lies. They were laying there, and they were blind, they were lame, and they were paralyzed. It was, it was a, a sad place to be. We went to um, Israel. We've gone to Israel a couple of times with church 
with the church. And we're going again in November if you'd like to go with us. There's just a few places available. And one of the places we stop is here. Uh, there's a Byzantine church uh, from about the fourth century that's built real close to this pool. And we always go in there and we sing a song together because the acoustics are incredible. And right across this little road from this church in Jerusalem is this pool. This is the pool. It was excavated in about, I think, 1960s. And um, here's the colonnades that it talks about. And then here are steps right here going down into a pool. In fact, here's somebody has recreated what it might have looked like when Jesus was there. And uh, it's just a pool, and there are people who are lame, uh, paralyzed, uh, blind, that want healing that stay right here on the steps. And it's interesting, the story behind this. It's a legend that when the waters would ripple, it's just a still pool, and when the waters would ripple, the legend was that it was angels. It was wings of angels. And so the first guy in the pool, first woman in the pool that ever happened to be there, would be healed. And so you lined up to be the first one in. And, uh, and, and it's the legend. Did angels really ripple the pool? Probably not. Um, as we study these days, uh, the pool was uh, in a whole system of underground springs. And uh, I, I had the privilege of going down underground to see some of those in Jerusalem one of the times I went. And um, when the spring would uh, get to a certain level, it would empty water into the pool, which would ripple the pool, and uh, so it wasn't angels, it was a natural thing that was going on, but people would be healed there. Uh, why? Uh, doctors call it psychosomatic healing. It's, it's a real deal. Um, you, you, uh, you've read about times where maybe a statue of the Virgin Mary or a painting or something seems to have some kind of manifestation and people flock there and people claim to be healed, and some people are. Uh, right place, right mental attitude in a climate of faith and, and they're healed. And so that's probably what's going on here in this deal. It's kind of a legend, and, but apparently people had been healed. And you've got this guy uh, that's there and the Bible says one who was there had been invalid for 38 years. Now he hadn't been at the pool for 38 years. He'd been an invalid we don't know if he was born that way and he's just 38 years old or you know, something happened to him along the way. There's not that much information about it. But he's at the pool and Jesus shows up. Here's a picture of what that might have looked like. So Jesus is here talking to the guy. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him this question that sounds foolish, almost stupid. He says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Well, of course he wants to get well. Doesn't he? I mean, doesn't, doesn't everybody want to get well? I mean, most people do. There are some people that, you know, they enjoy the intention or maybe they're addicted to complaining or, or um, their wellness involves giving up, giving in, letting go, and let God, and they have to control, and so maybe you could make a case that they don't want to, but I, I would think that most people would want to get well. Why does Jesus ask him, do you want to get well? I, I'll talk about that in a few minutes, but as I was reading this story, and I saw, I was looking at this picture, I know this isn't necessarily 
the picture, but it's an artist's rendition. And I'm thinking about these other guys here. Look at this. Jesus is talking to this guy, and he's ultimately going to get well in the story. What about these guys? Why doesn't Jesus just wave his hands and heal everybody? Why doesn't Jesus heal everybody that we pray for? In fact, here's the question that comes to me, and sometimes it comes with, with earnest kind of I want to know. Sometimes it comes with kind of encased in bitterness. Um, I prayed for my loved one, and God didn't heal them. Or God didn't change the circumstances that my loved one went through and they, uh, they died and Jesus didn't, didn't heal them. And so we sometimes get angry at God and it impacts our relationships and all of that. So I, I hear that over the, the years. So let me just talk about that just for a minute because uh, here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus does heal everybody, okay? You're a believer, I believe that when we pray, and he says to pray for healing, we've got scripture on that, that, that he does, it just not necessarily in the way that you had prescribed. And so it comes down to an issue of trust. Do I trust God of the universe who knows everything, who knows the future, he knows the past, do I trust him to heal in the way that he sees is the right way in my situation? Uh, I, I think that God heals in three ways. I think, first of all, he heals some miraculously. And that's what happened here. You're gonna see that in just a minute. The question is, does it happen today? I would say yes. Um, I, I've had it in my own body. Um, one time, when I was 14 years old, I contracted a kidney disease called glomerular nephritis, and it kills most people that get it. And, um, and uh, it didn't kill me, but there was uh, lasting effects. And three years later, at 17 years old, I had a, a, a healing, and the doctors went back, run the tests again. And I mean, trust me, I spent my ninth grade year, I didn't finish, I spent three weeks in the hospital and the last months of my ninth grade year out of school. And uh, so, I mean, they, they knew the inside of me. <laughs> you know, as a ninth grader, it's a little embarrassing how much they knew, but they knew all about me. And then as a junior in high school, they ran the tests again, and there was nothing. In fact, we had a, um, and it was in response to prayer, we had a, a Chinese doctor that came here when I was telling this story. I've told it two or three times since we've been here in 30 years. And the doctor happened to be a research guy at MUSC, and that happened to be his specialty, his field. He was a specialist in that field and one of the best in the world at it. And he grabbed me after the service, and he starts doing this stuff here, and I'm like, hey, you know, okay, all right, whatever. But he said, you told this story, and he said, you have none of the characteristics that you would have had you had that, the lasting characteristics. And I said, I know, I don't. If you want to go back and search the research, the medical records, you can see it, but there are records. I was at the point of having a kidney transplant, and there are records that say you had this, and there are records that say there, there's no indication of it, and so it's healing. Um, we were, uh, somebody texted me after last night's service about one of our mission trips. In fact, this lady was in South Africa, one of our mission trips, and they said that uh, we did a medical mission, and 
uh, she was an older grandmother that came to the clinic on a walker. And uh, she was very well known in the community and her friends had brought her as kind of a last desperate hope that somebody could help her. And uh, she'd been in pain for years, could only get around with short agonizing steps using a walker. And while she was waiting to see the doctor, the registration team, Seacoast team, offered to pray with her. And at first they said she was resistant, but she could tell they loved her and meant well, so she said yes. And our prayer team led her through prayers of forgiveness of others and of herself and asked for healing. And amazingly, her pain left like this. And she stood and walked away. This is a picture of her carrying her walker. Nobody told her to do that. She walked away doing something she couldn't do before she encountered the people that prayed. So does it happen today? Yes. Miraculous healing. In fact, that's why James chapter 5 says, is anyone sick among you? He's talking to the church. It says, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And then it says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. In the first few years of our church, this would have been a difficult thing to happen to you. You'd have to call the church and we'll get some elders and they'll get over to your house and we'll pray for you. And only a few people got to take advantage of that. About 10 years ago, we said, no, at the end of our service, we're gonna have that available for anybody because every week we've got people who need healing in body and emotionally, um, you know, in, in a lot of different areas. And so we, we do that every week in prayer and the people that pray have gifts of faith and, and you can borrow their faith. And so we do that in anticipation of healing. Does everybody we pray for get miraculously healed? No, because that's only one of the ways that God heals. Here's a second way that God heals is through medical science. I knew I, uh, growing up, we had some well-meaning people in our church that thought that, you know, if you trusted in a doctor in medicine, that that was somehow an antithesis of, you know, God's healing and you weren't supposed to do that. There were even crazy things that people would throw away their medicine as a sign of faith that they believed that God was healing them and crazy stuff happened. Rule of thumb, throw away your medicine when you don't need it anymore, okay? that doctors are in the healing business with Jesus, okay? They're all on the, on the same team. In fact, this, uh, this summer, uh, we went on vacation with some friends in Colorado, and my friend Ray uh, had, a, had to have emergency surgery while we were way up high in the mountains. In fact, he had surgery at the highest surgical center uh, in the United States, uh, which is not a good thing. I guess I found out that you heal better when you're at a lower, uh, doctors know this, but they told me that. And uh, so he got sick and had emergency surgery, and we had to leave him up on the mountain because I had vacation to do and had to keep, keep going. <laughs> Actually, I had to come back to fly to South Africa, and we did leave he and his wife in Colorado with some friends. And then he came back here and had to have surgery again, and he's watching online and recovering. But as I was thinking about this, if this would have happened 15, or not 15, 50 or 60 years ago, it's entirely probable that he would not have recovered from what happened to him. But medical science is a part of the healing process. God is the one that gives wisdom. Every good and perfect gift comes what? From the Father above. It's all integral. So God heals through the miraculous. He heals through medical science. And he also heals every believer through heaven. Every believer is healed through heaven. I have a friend, Tommy, 
that was healed that way this week. Tommy, almost 40 years ago, had cancer in his brain, had to have an operation which impacted how he lived life. And a couple of the doctors at the time said, here's his life expectancy, and Tommy outlived both of them, which is amazing. But in his surgery, Tommy felt like that he went to heaven while he was being operated on, and I mean, he was just as solid about that. He said, I, I experienced love, uh, peace, all this kind of stuff. So Tommy was never afraid to go to heaven. In fact, in his last days, this past week, Tommy said, let's go, I'm ready. I know what it's like and I know what it's about. And Tommy went to heaven and here's what I know about Tommy right now. He's well, <laughs> he's healed, he's whole. I, I wanna challenge you, how much do you think about heaven? How much do you, or, or in, in your world, is this all there is? You know, people used to ask me, how you doing? And I'd say, well, you know, I'm doing all right. It's better than the alternative. I don't say that anymore because it's not better than the alternative. I don't care how good it is for you right now. The best is yet to come. And uh, we need to train our minds on that. That uh, and There's all kind of books. I, I like Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Here's another one, Imagine Heaven by John Burke. I was just looking through the chapter titles. A Better Body. How many of you could use one of those? Okay, a couple of you, you're fine, but the rest of us, we could use a better one. You'll be yourself finally, the most beautiful place imaginable, uh, on and on and on. Uh, the city of God, pets are allowed. Really? Okay. All right. So anyway, it's just a whole book about what does the Bible say about heaven, and you ought to read one of these every once in a while. And, and then... And then when your loved one goes, we grieve. Yes, we grieve. But they're healed, okay? And, and, and if they could tell you right now, you know, uh, would I come back or not? My goodness, they know it's just a, this amount of time till you'll be there forever and ever and ever and ever. We sing about it. Don't ever forget that everybody's healed. Some are healed through miracles. Some are healed through doctors. And some are healed through heaven, and, and our responsibility is just to pray for healing. And God will, will do it, and we trust him that he'll do it in the, in the right way. So, so let's kind of get back to the story. And so Jesus asked this guy, do you want to get well? And look at his answer. He says, sir, I have no one to help me. I, I read that and just paused on it this week as I was thinking about it. What a hopeless place. This guy says, yeah, I'd love to be healed. The only way I know to be healed is to get into this water when the angels flutter the, the water, but I don't have anybody to help me. Got my mat as close as I can, but there are other people, he says, on trying to get in. Somebody else goes down ahead of me. He said, I'd love to be healed, but I can't. I feel alone. I feel hopeless. There are some of us here today who feel hopeless in your situation. You feel like there's nobody here to help you. And there's no solution in sight. It might be alcohol for you. You know, your friends can drink, your neighbors can drink, but you can't. Because when you do, it causes bad things to happen and, and you've tried to quit and you just can't, don't feel like you can. And, and people even look at you differently and but you feel hopeless. Or maybe you have a porn habit and it's just eating away at the inside and you feel shame, you know, and feel like if everybody knew this, what I'm dealing with right now, and, and you feel alone and you feel hopeless. Or maybe 
anger is destroying relationships for you. Or maybe you don't feel hope in your marriage. You feel alone. Well, you're in the right place today. Just as this guy was in the right place, Jesus came by, you're in the right place. Because I believe in it. In asking the question, Jesus is gonna answer for us a way to get connected and to receive what we need from him by faith. So I want to take the next few minutes and I want to give you three kind of, they're, they're fairly simple, they're not easy, fairly simple things that Jesus said to this guy that I think we can apply to ourselves, how to receive healing by faith. Number one, respond to the impossible with faith. Respond to the impossible with faith. Look at, look at what Jesus said to him. He said, get up. Get up. He asked him to do the one thing he couldn't do. He hadn't been able to do that in 38 years. And Jesus says, get up. God wanted a healing, but he had to go first. He had to go first. You know, that oftentimes that's how faith is. I mean, he's probably asking, what, what if I fall? What if it doesn't work? What if I make a fool of myself? Jesus says, he, he could have just zapped him and, and the guy could have gone, wow, I can walk. But Jesus said, I, I want you to take the first step and, and somewhere between here and the edge of the pool, my power is gonna intersect with your faith and you're gonna be made whole. I don't like that. I do not like that. I'm just gonna be honest with you. There, are there parts of the Bible you don't like? I, I, I don't, I, I don't like that. I like when God goes first. Okay, like in the, there's a couple of stories you guys read when you were in uh, the story of Israel coming out of uh, Egypt and there was a barrier to their destiny, bodies of water, and God wanted to get them through it. In the first story, it's Moses and there's Egyptians behind him. You saw the movie, so I won't set it up that well, but uh, there's this body of water and God says to Moses, put your stick out over the water. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna part the water I'm gonna dry up the land and you're gonna go by on dry land. I love that. I love it when God goes first. That's where I like my faith. The problem is seldom does that happen. Most of the instances of faith, God says, you go first and I'll join you along the way. It's like the second time they had to cross water, they had to go into the promised land and the water is at high tide. Have you ever noticed that when God wants you to take a step of faith, it's usually at exactly the wrong time? This wasn't a good time to take a million people across the water because it's flood tide, okay? God said, no, I want you to do it. Here's how you're gonna do it this time. Last time I went first, this time you go first. Tell the worship team, the ones with skinny jeans and with <laughs> like holes right here in the jeans, he says, I want you to tell them to go first. Now, if I was on the worship team, I would have done this. Hey, I've got a rock in my shoe right here. Y'all go ahead. I'll be there in just a minute. <laughs> and, and, and what God says to them is he says, somewhere between the edge of the water and when you drown, I'm gonna show up in power. You go first. You go first. Jesus says, do you wanna be healed? He says, get up. Get, you, you, go, you, you, you get up. And, and I'll come along. See, we all have areas where we're weak, where we're lame, where we need healing. Fear may be crippling you, okay? It might be a fear of the future. You can't step into the future because you're afraid of it. 
It might be a fear of disaster. It could be, mama, that you're always thinking about your kids, and that's a good thing, but you're thinking the worst, that man, that, they're, that you're, they're, there's this fear that just grips you of disaster. What if, what if, what if? And you're living your life that way. It could be, you know, it, it could be a fear of failure, and Jesus asks you, is that how you wanna live your life? Because you can, if you want to, you can go ahead and live that way. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? And if you, if you want to be well, he says, get up. Take a step of faith. Do what you couldn't do before. Get moving in the right direction, and I'll meet you along the way. Unforgiveness may be crippling you. Maybe somebody took advantage of you. They abused you. They hurt you. They assaulted you. They betrayed you. And what's happening is what's going on in some of these quotes. Unforgiveness is like taking poison and expecting somebody else to die. And you say, I can't forgive them, but it's poisoning your soul. And uh, unforgiveness is like choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness, serving time for somebody else's crime. It's something somebody did to you, but because you can't forgive, you're paying for their crime. This one, bitterness is believing that God got it wrong. God should have healed in this way. God should have intervened in this way. Bitterness is believing that God got it wrong. Worry is not believing that God will get it right. I've got to worry because I don't know if God will take care of me or this or whatever. And unforgiveness is believing that you were right even when God says you were wrong. God said you need to forgive. And no, God's not right on that. I'm not ready. It's high tide. It's high tide. I can't do it. See, Jesus asked, do you want to get well? If you do, get up. Move in the right direction. Take a step that you didn't think you could take, and I'll meet you along the way. An addictive habit may be crippling you. Maybe it's been 38 years, and it feels like nothing's going to change. And Jesus says, do you want to keep living like that? Because you can. Or, or do you want to take a step? And maybe the step for you is, this is Connect Weekend. And maybe the step for you is to connect with Celebrate Recovery. And you say, well, that's those people. No, those people are us people. We're all that way. Those people just happen to own up to it and are getting healing in it. Maybe you need to take a step. And God says, in power, I'll show up along the way. So Jesus asked a simple question. Do you want to get well? How bad do you want it? Do you, do you believe this could be your day? Take a step of faith. And you know what? If you don't, it's possible that you never will. This could be your day. So, uh, do something you couldn't do. Uh, second thing you do is make no provision for a relapse. This is an interesting one. Jesus says, make no provision for a relapse. Jesus says, pick up your mat. What that's about. Guy had a yoga mat, okay? Right there. Had a yoga mat, and it was down by the water, and somebody had probably helped him get it there, and he probably got there real early in the morning to get a seat. It's like getting a good seat at a concert. Okay? And so he's there. Jesus says, get up. Now, if he gets up, he's always got his mat to go back to. If this doesn't work, maybe it's temporary, or maybe it won't happen. Maybe I'll try, but I got my mat. And Jesus says, no, don't, don't. He says, roll up your mat. Roll up your mat. What's he saying? He's saying, don't make provision for failure. Because if you go back to your mat, it'll be harder to get up next time. Says, don't don't do that, don't do that. I know I was praying for a girl early on in our ministry, 
in Illinois, and she had a, had a nicotine deal, cigarettes. And uh, you know, somebody asked me one time, they said, uh, can you be a Christian? And uh, how, how do they say that? It says, well, we'll smoke and send you to hell. I said, no, it'll just make you smell like you've been there. You know, but it's not, it will send you there. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> but anyway, so she's a good Christian girl, and she's just got this habit, and her doctor's telling her it's not the right thing and all that. I said, well, let's pray for you. Okay, we'll start there, and then throw away all your cigarettes. And, you know, and uh, it just didn't work for her. She kept going back, going back, until I found out she kept a pack in her purse just in case. Cleaned them all out of her house, but I got to have it just in case. Well, guess what? Just in case always happened. And Jesus says, pick up your mat. You know, when God changes your life, young people, um, oftentimes, you know, we have this great camp in the summer, and hundreds of kids uh, go and have an experience with God, and, and some get healing. Or um, we've, we've had kids that got into, you know, bad company, wrong crowd, get addicted to some stuff, go away to some Christian rehab stuff, get on fire for God, and come back. And the problem is they don't throw away the mat. It's relationships. Get back with the same relationships, same people. And what happens is you relapse. You relapse. You got to make tough calls. It's not just kids. It's adults, too. There may be some relationships you're going to have to distance. You're, you're, not only have to get, you're going to have to cut off if they don't change, okay? Because it's a part of the healing process. Pick up your mat. Here's what else he says. He says, keep walking in the healing that God has given you. Keep walking in the healing that God has given you. Look, look at what he says. He says, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your mat, and do what? Walk. Walk. Now, I don't know. It is possible in this healing that when Jesus heals him, that his legs are totally regenerated, back to what they were 38 years. But what's happened over 38 years? Atrophy, right? Atrophy. Now, it is also possible that Jesus gives him just enough that he can get up and he can walk, but it, it's painful. It's, he's not used to walking. And it'd be very tempting to go back to the mat, but if he stops walking, he never gets stronger. And so he says, keep walking. Keep walking, keep walking. You've gotta walk, you've gotta walk. Now, you know, there's a lot here. Just because walking's hard doesn't mean God hadn't healed you. You know, you may have received a healing from God in some area of your life, and things got harder. Anybody have that, or things are hard right now, or things are hard real quickly? It doesn't mean you're in the wrong place, not at all. Uh, it, it just means that you're stretching some muscles and you're gonna have to plow through it and walk, walk through it. Now, these days, uh, most healings that I see are less physical and more between the ears. Would you, would you agree that life, most of life is lived between the ears? Would you agree with that? That it's thinking, it's your mind, there's a battle for your mind. One person has something happen to them, another has the same thing happen. This one barely survives, this one thrives. And it's a lot of times how you think. And in, in the healing process, a lot of times the brain has atrophy. God opens up our eyes to see a new way of thinking and living, but our brain has been thinking this way for a long time and it's not used to thinking the right way. And if we don't keep walking, if we don't keep exercising, we go back to the old way of living. In fact, scriptures say it this way, Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed 
to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Here's what God's will is. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. If you don't think that, then your, your mind is atrophied and you're, you're back to an old way of thinking. I love how uh, the New Living Translation says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. You can be a new person just by changing the way that you think. Um, then uh, Ephesians chapter four and verse 23 says, be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind. That means that you've gotta have a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude every day. How do you get that? Through the word, through the word. How do you atrophy? By watching CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC all the time. Your brain will atrophy. How do you renew your brain? You renew your brain by the word of God. That's why we're doing this series of through the word, by renewing your mind, by who you hang out with, what are you thinking about, what, what are you doing, okay? That's the key to everything. Are you building your mental muscles or are you tearing them down? Keep focusing on where you're going, not how hard it's been to get there. You can talk yourself out of a healing. How many of you have ever done that? No, you're, we, we, what we're gonna talk about is we're gonna talk about the grace of God and how God is, is leading us and guiding us. Now, just kind of a last thought. Anticipate some pushback if you walk forward in what God has for you. Not everybody will be excited about you being healed. In fact, this guy that was healed in this story, you'd have, think, you'd have thought, man, 38 years, he's, that, that's amazing. Praise God, let's all get excited. Well, there were religious people that weren't excited because it happened on Saturday. Is that not the dumbest thing you've ever heard? Then they have this argument about what you can do on Saturday, you can't do on Saturday. It's just the craziest thing. And there are gonna be people, if you take a step forward with God, most people will go, wow, you know, there's, I see improvement, there's great things. Some of your friends are gonna go, you know what? She doesn't party with us like she used to. She just thinks she's better than us. There are gonna be people that are gonna give you pushback. And here's what I wanna tell you. Don't lose your healing. Hold on to what God has said. In fact, you need to tell somebody around you what God is doing in your life. And then you need to get a group of people who will help you to walk into the future that God has for you. And you're at the right place to do that this weekend. It's Connect Weekend. It's an opportunity to get connected with groups of people that will help. In fact, you can even do it on your text. Your pastor's gonna tell you. For those of you online, all you gotta do is, is text connect to 320, 320. Why 320, 320? Because every week we read Ephesians 320 at the end of the, end of the, the uh, service, and that's an easy way to remember it. You just text CONNECT to 320, 320. We'll get you hooked up with some people that will help you into your destiny, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful group of people. All of us here no doubt need healing in areas of our lives. Some of us, it's really obvious. Some of us, it's physical. Some of us, it's emotional. Some of us, it's mental. Some of us, it's financial. And we come to you right now. Some of us feel hopeless, just like that guy at the pool. There's nobody to help. You're here, and the church is here. God, today, I pray that you would work miracles. I pray that this would be a day that many of us look back to and say, you know what, I turned the corner that day.
That was the day I made a decision to put my faith in God. So God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.